0: Okay, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for that uh, story, that parable that Jesus told that uh, we've just had read to us. We pray that you'd uh, give us both understanding of it, uh, what it meant in the time it was written, uh, as Jesus spoke to his disciples, uh, but also to think about what it means to us today. We pray that you would give us uh, ears that are ready to hear what you have to say to us through your word, that we put those things into practice and wouldn't just let them uh, be forgotten and move on with life, Uh, but to consider your word as a precious thing, as something that is so important for us that we need to take take care to listen to respond to it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, that parable end, uh, ends with uh, the words, so the first will be last, uh, and the last will be first. Um, and that's actually a phrase that comes up a few times in the Bible, uh, and we're going to be thinking a little bit around that. But first of all, uh, I wonder if you've ever been the, sort of, uh, the first in a queue, such as the Harrod sale. Uh, you know, it used to be more special in the old days when you know, there was just the one sale, the Harrod sale on the 1st of January. Uh, but now he seems to have sales all the time. It's non-stop sales all around the year. It's not so special. Uh, well, it used to be the case that this was the, the great thing to go to the... It's still, I guess, pretty good. Uh, to go to the Harrods sale and everyone rushes in to try... and They'll be the first in the queue and then they try and get the best thing, the best thing for sale uh, in that queue. But if you're away at the back, you know you're not going to get the best. You're going to get something, maybe, if you're lucky, but you're not going to get the best uh, from that sale. I don't know if you've ever done that. Have you ever sort of queued up? Anyone ever been to Harrod's Sale and queued up for that? Next no? Sale. Sorry? Next sale. <laughs> oh, next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> More than once, I think. <laughs> uh, I mean, I do it I should have asked, for, is there anyone for whom it's not an annual event to, to do that? So, uh, so yeah, so... There's the first and the last, and you really want to be at the front. And, you know, if you you can imagine, if you sort of uh, translate this parable, if you were the one at the back, if you were at the front, and the guy at the back uh, was the one who was let in first, you wouldn't like that at all, would you? You'd think that's really not fair. Um, and uh, that's kind of, I guess, a modern uh, version of, of the parable in one sense. But let's uh, kind of retrace our steps a little bit first. Uh, and I want to do cheat a little bit, because um, I think we need to see this parable in its context. Uh, and the context we find in, in all three of the synoptic Gospels. There's a uh, Matthew, Mark and Luke. Uh, and they, they give that context. But only actually in, in Matthew do we get the, the parable itself. The other ones have the idea of first and the last. Uh, but um, we get the parable just in this, in this gospel. <coughs> I want to cheat by actually going to one of the other Gospels. It's not on your sheets, and that we didn't read. Uh, but um, we can read the words that are on the sheet first. What if somebody could read uh, chapter 19, um, the first section, the little children and Jesus? Would someone read just that bit, please? Yeah, yeah thanks. The people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them, but the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, you went on from there. That's it. No, that's it. That's fine. Now I'm cheating because uh, the bit of my next, my first point isn't in that uh, passage, uh, but it's in that story. Um, and the question i really ask on this one is, what makes Jesus angry? Um, and we don't see that in, in the account in in Matthew. We see in Matthew the disciples are angry that people are bringing their children to Jesus. But the account in that in Mark gives a little bit more detail. Let me read that to you. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. The same, exactly the same story, uh, but with a bit more detail. The people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He was angry. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. The disciples rebuked uh, the people for bringing uh, children. But Jesus was indignant. And he said this, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Uh, as they brought the children, uh, Jesus took the chance to show them something about what it means to enter the kingdom of heaven. You have to enter the kingdom of heaven like a child. Uh, in fact, the, if you were to look back in both Mark and Matthew, the, the bit that comes just before that, there's this uh, great uh, theological debate about divorce going on where Jesus is confronting the religious leaders and uh, showing them more of what God's uh, view of things as opposed to their own ideas uh, was on that matter. And then come, then the very nice thing that happened is that two, these little children come in and the disciples kind of said, you know, we're on bigger things than this. You know, keep the children away. We're on these weighty theological matters. Uh, but Jesus says, no, you need to come like a child if you're going to enter the kingdom of God. That's the way to enter. And so he must have shaken them up as he spoke indignantly To his disciples, who themselves were quite angry at these children coming, but Jesus said, No, think these little children, you've got to have that kind of attitude to enter the kingdom. The next story that we read in uh, chapter um, 19 of Matthew on your sheet, um, the rich and the kingdom of God. Uh, Could someone read for me up to verse 26, please? 16 to 26. Gemma, thanks.
1: Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? he inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honour your father and mother, and love your neighbour as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad, because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, "Who then can be saved?" Jesus looked at them
0: and said, "With man this is impossible, <coughs> but with God all things are possible." Thank you. So, what's ex- unexpected about the gospel is my question on this. Uh, when I look at this one, and I think the thing that uh, probably um, it strikes me—I don't know if it strikes you as well—is I kind of think that this guy should have maybe got in, in one sense, because he seemed to have done so many things right. And so, uh, across the world, there are people who think that living like this is a way to get into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, But Jesus says, no, that's not the way to enter the kingdom. Uh, In fact, it's quite interesting if you look at the details of what what, uh, Jesus said. The one commandment that he doesn't include is probably the the very one that that rich man uh, suffered from. He doesn't mention coveting, you shall not covet. Uh, and, And yet he deals with it in verse 21. If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. So for all his goodness, for all uh, the very uh, good things that he did in the eyes of the world, uh, there was one thing that he wasn't prepared to do. Uh, He wasn't prepared to give up uh, his riches and all that he had uh, to follow Jesus. Uh, His heart was revealed uh, by the thing that he wasn't prepared to give up. There was someone who... Uh, you might have expected to be uh, the person that would be let in. Uh, but no, he's not, because he hasn't understood what it means to, to put God first. He's still living a life of religion, and a life of good works. Here He said this, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? And uh, Jesus said, you need to be perfect, to be complete, to get there. Uh, you've got to leave everything behind and follow me. So then the disciples chip in, then, who then can be saved? They said. Verse 26. Uh, verse 25, first of all. Then the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So these disciples are a bit shaken up now. You've got these, these children that they thought they had no place. And yet, Jesus welcomed them in. Then there was this rich man that you would have thought would have been welcomed in. And Jesus says, you, you're, not, you're not there, you haven't made it. The rich man goes away sad. Uh, and, you know, the disciples are now beginning to wonder, what's it all about? What is uh, the heart of the gospel? Who is this Jesus that we've followed? And so they chip in with their question in the, in the next section. So can someone read verses 27 to 30? Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or fathers, or mother, or children, or fields, for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much, and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. So, thank you. So there Jesus brings some assurance there to the disciples, uh, that there is that offer, there's that eternal life, for those uh, who will follow Jesus, for those who maybe have given up a lot of things, but they've chosen to follow Jesus. Uh, And there is that promise both of this life and the life to come. Uh, But I think uh, Jesus picks up something in the way that they ask the question. Uh, And the question I ask here is, what is really motivating Jesus' disciples as they ask this? Uh, Look at what they ask in verse 27. We've left everything to follow you. So they're a bit worried, you know, that maybe they're going to be like the rich man. Uh, But then their, their question is this, what then will there be for us? You know, is that a pure motive or is, that, is there something that's a, a slight sort of tinge of, of greediness and what can I get out of it that comes through there? Uh, and I think there is. Uh, as they say, what will there be for us? Um, and so Jesus ends uh, his, uh, what the little thing he says after he's given that encouragement, showing them that there is a lot for them to have. Uh, he ends by saying this, uh, many who are first will be last And many who are last will be first. He's kind of shown there's a a kind of mix-up order. Uh, So here they are thinking, we're going to get something. And they've got to think, are we first or last? They've got to think through that. Uh, And that leads him into the parable that we we, uh, read just now uh, in chapter 20. Having kind of uh, shaken their world up a bit by allowing the children to come, sending away the rich man, uh, and um, then showing them they've got a promise of eternal life and great rewards, uh, he deals with... This idea of first uh, and last. So this parable uh, that we're going to look at in chapter 20 uh, is uh, really primarily written to the disciples, to Jesus' disciples. uh, And uh, it has something to say to us today as Jesus' disciples today. Uh, So as we read this, let's not think that this is a parable written for the Pharisees, for those uh, uh, sort of holy than thou people. But let's think that this is a parable written for Jesus' disciples uh, and for us. Uh, As we look through, let's uh, look to apply it to our own lives. So we come to the parable in chapter 20. Uh, And uh, it's all about one of these, a denarius, uh, a coin. Uh, That's what it's all about. They wanted to receive, uh, the workers in the vineyard wanted to receive one of these coins, a coin that was worth a day's wages. Uh, And that's what they would come to expect. If they work in the vineyard for a day, uh, they get a day's wage. Uh, It's all quite simple uh, in many ways. But if you didn't work a whole day, you wouldn't uh, expect to get a denarius. That would be only if you worked the full day uh, would you be expecting to get that. So that's the kind of context of the story. And the meaning of the story, uh, is I think it's pretty clear. Um, denarius, as I said, is a day's wage. wage. The landowner uh, is really God. It's talking about God in this because it's a story about the kingdom of heaven. Uh, And the workers, uh, as I said, are the disciples. In the context in which it's written, he's speaking to his disciples. And we'll see that what comes afterwards as well, um, after the parable. He's speaking to his disciples and telling them something about what it means to be a worker uh, in the kingdom of heaven and the kind of attitude that you need to have. So I'm going to basically, if you want to write these down, I'm going to say three things about God uh, from this uh, this parable, Uh, and then we'll think about three things about our attitude as well, uh, as we think about God. But let's first of all think about God, uh, who is represented by the landowner in this story, and what is God like? Let me read the first few verses. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. So, first thing we find out about God is that God is fair. He didn't give them minimum wage. He didn't give them less than the minimum wage. Uh, He didn't do anything that was inappropriate for the culture of the day. Uh, This is quite typical, where the the labourers would be there sort of waiting for work at the beginning of the day, casual workers. Uh, And then those that needed people to work on the farm or in the vineyard would would, would go along to those areas and would hire people for for the day. And they would expect to receive a a denarius. And that is what uh, this landowner... Uh, did. He gave them the denarius that denarius they were to expect for a day's work. So God is fair. God is someone who gives, uh, he doesn't give you a half a deal. He doesn't give you a bad deal. Often people say God is not fair uh, when they look around at the world and they say God is not fair. It's not fair what you're doing. But God is fair and God, uh, as we see, is more more than fair uh, in what he does. Uh, but He is a just and a fair God. Then we see the next few verses, verses 5 to 7. So they went. And he went out again about noon and about 3 in the afternoon and did the same thing. About 5 in the afternoon he went out and found still others standing standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day, all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, you also go. ...and work in my vineyard. I think it said eleventh hour, didn't it? Somewhere, maybe in the older version of the NIV. We use that phrase, we? the eleventh hour... ...meaning at the very last minute. Uh, and that's what we see here. That's five o'clock in the afternoon. So he would have started at six in the morning. That would have been the, the beginning of their day. But by five o'clock in the afternoon, the eleventh hour... ...it's right at the end of the day. Really, it's not worth hiring anyone at that time of day... ...because all the work is pretty much done... Uh, and what kind of workers are you going to hire, uh, that are, are standing around at, uh, at five o'clock in the afternoon at the eleventh hour? Uh, what have they been doing all day just hanging around? And yet this landowner only goes and finds them and uh, invites them to come and work in the vineyard even though they've been only there, uh, they've been, they haven't, there's only one hour left of time. And I think this actually shows us something uh, if we're to think in the broader things of uh, the fact that it's never too late until it is too late. (laughs) So it wasn't too late for those (coughs) 11th hour workers. But for those who were not uh, standing there, who didn't take that opportunity to look for work at that 11th hour, they would have gone that day hungry. They would have gone without any any money coming in that day to provide for their family. Um, God is... (laughs) As we think of how he relates to that landowner. Uh, God is someone who is very patient as we see. Uh, God is patient. And yet there's a time when that patience will end. There's a time when it will be too late. Where if you're not someone who has uh, set aside all your desire to live for yourself like that rich man. Uh, and decide to follow Jesus. There'll be a time when it's too late. Either because you die or because Jesus returns. Jesus returns but we can be thankful that God is so patient that to those who uh, have been waiting there all all day long, perhaps there's a little bit of word of rebuke that he he says when he says, why are you here all day long? Uh, But nevertheless, although there's that word of rebuke, you waited so long and uh, maybe you didn't come out uh, to be hired until this late hour, Uh, but it's still not too late. Uh, They were able to come into the vineyard and to work. And so it is with God that uh, he gives us many opportunities, but don't leave it until it's too late uh, to follow Jesus. Um, you're missing out on all those wonderful blessings uh, that uh, they were promised in in, verse, in chapter 19. Let me read those again. Uh, 28, verse 28 of chapter 19. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. There's so much that we can receive in terms of blessings in this life and even more, so much greater yet to come in the life to come. So it's an amazing thing. and So why miss out on that? God is patient, but why delay uh, for the wonderful gift that God has given us? Uh, to be with him, to be in his kingdom. And so uh, we come down to the end of the day. They've finished their work in the field. The twelve hours now come, and it's time uh, to see how much they're worth. Um, you know, well, the, I used to, I once did a website for, for L'Oreal, um, the, and it was kind of strange, because all of us who did it had no hair, and uh, we were trying to do this website for the hair products. Uh, but they, I think their, you know, their slogan is, because you're worth it, or because I'm worth it, that sort of thing. And it's all centred around, you know, I'm worth something, I'm amazing, I'm, you know, so, and you know, that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, what were these uh, workers who worked in the field uh, worth? Uh, those ones that came at six in the morning and nine in the morning, what were they worth? What would they get for what they had done? Well, each received a, a denarius, we, we read in, in verse 9. So let's read that. Verse 8. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers were hired about five in the afternoon, came and each received a, a denarius. So the ones who came at the eleventh hour... They received a denarius. They'd only done an hour's work, uh, and yet they got the money that was due for a whole day's work. Uh, and that wasn't the normal custom in those days. Uh, you could give them less. There were ways of giving them less than a denarius. Uh, but they were given a full denarius worth uh, for, for just one hour's work. And we see how, how generous God is. Uh, as we read in chapter 19... Uh, and as we see in this story, we see God's generosity, or that landowner's generosity, which represents God's generosity. Uh, and He's an amazing God. who gives us far more than we deserve. We'll think a bit more about that a little bit later on. So then, as it came to this payday for these uh, ones who were there first thing in the morning, they thought, great, payday, here comes my money. Uh, and I saw what those other guys got, so I'm in for a, a treat here. Uh, gonna, that's what I think I'm going to get. Do quite well out of this. So let's read those verses from verse uh, 10. So when those came, who, so when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. Well, well when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. And now we've thought about the three things about God, about how he's fair, how he's patient, and how he's generous. Let's think more about us and how we respond to the way that God is. And as we think about us, we, let's think of ourselves in the eyes of these first workers uh, who came there. And see if there's anything like them, uh, that any connection with the way we are, as we think about them. You see verse uh, 12, uh, they start to grumble. And they said, you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. They're saying, look at all the hard work we've done, compared with the little thing that they did, and why, why are you treating us as equal? I'm far better than they are. Uh, that's how they thought. And do we ever think like that? I think we think like that sometimes, don't we? We look around, you might think, we, we might think we, you know, we, we started the church here, we're the, we're the you know number one guys here. What about those over there? And we so easily compare ourselves with other people. And we really say, this isn't fair, God. Is God fair? No, I don't think God is fair. He should treat me better than that. I deserve better. That's the way we think. And we compare ourselves with other people. We look around rather than seeing that God has been actually unfair to me. He's given me what I don't deserve. He's given me eternal life. Uh, He's taken away all my sin so I don't have to go to hell and I can go to heaven with him forever. That's not fair. That's uh, more than fair. That's so great that God does that for us. And yet we compare ourselves with other people. And then they said uh, they only worked one hour. Uh, And uh, whereas God was uh, very patient and he gave them and he didn't rebuke them, uh, really, they begin to question God. You know, should God be that patient? Should he have uh, allowed those people who waited the whole day before they uh, started to work? Should he allow them in at all? I wouldn't have let them in. You shouldn't have let them in, you say to the, the landowner. And we say to God, you know, so should you do it this way? I don't think you're doing it the right way. Sometimes we doubt God's ways. And we think that we can do it better. We wouldn't have done it the way God has done it. Um, we, we doubt that God is fair. We doubt that God is uh, should be patient like that. Sometimes we see someone who doesn't seem very nice. And we think, why? Why would you let them in the kingdom of heaven? Maybe we get those thoughts even. Um, and we doubt God's plans and God's ways. And then the uh, the third thing that they did wrong. Is they, it says very clearly, they expected uh, to receive more, verse 10. Those who came... Uh, who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. And really, they were questioning whether God should have been so generous to those other people. Should he have been generous to them? Yeah, you know, we want more, I want more. Uh, give me more, you know, so, because I've been a faithful servant. I've done more than the other person. Uh, shouldn't I receive more? And uh, so often that can be the thing we don't speak. These are things that we don't say. Uh, but these are things that go on in our heads as we look at one another, even among ourselves, as we compare ourselves with one another. And we say, you know, I'm, I'm actually much better than the other person in those areas. Uh, and I want to be treated better. I want You to give me a better deal. Why are, you treat, why are you blessing them? Why are you treating them so well? And so Jesus, through this parable, he, re, he was teaching them. So the, fir- the last will be first and the first will be last. You need to think differently about the kingdom of heaven. We need to think differently about one uh, another as Christians. We need to think more highly of the other person and more lowly of ourselves. We need to remember that anything we have is out of God's great generosity and patience. And because he didn't treat us fairly, he didn't treat us as we deserved. So I think uh, Jesus, through this parable, taught the disciples a really important lesson about how to be first, uh, and how to be last, And so that should be the end of the story. You know, he's, he's actually led up to this by teaching them through the children and through the rich man and through the words he says and through the parable. But what happened next? And uh, we'll see that really it's a question that maybe we could ask the, about the disciples. You know, why did the disciples not learn? We see that they didn't learn uh, from their le- lesson. If we were to uh, look at that uh, last passage in uh verse twenty onwards of chapter twenty. I won't read it out now, it's quite long. But uh the James and John's mother came and brought uh the disciples to Jesus and said, You know, which one of these is going to have a best place in the kingdom of heaven? Uh who can sit on the left, who can sit on the right? And he was trying and she was trying to promote her own uh, children, Jesus' disciples, to be uh, in the best place in the kingdom of heaven. And clearly they hadn't learned what it meant to be in the kingdom of heaven. That it's about not being the first, but putting yourself last. Not taking the the, the top position, uh, but looking to exalt others and to uplift others. And why should we do that, actually? What is our motivation? Uh, And right at the end of the passage of of the chapter on the sheet, uh, verse 27, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as... Here's our example. Here's our reason. Here's why we should act differently. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is the one who came and died on the cross for our sins. He came to earth, gave up the glory of heaven uh, so that we could be saved. He came to give us eternal life. He came to serve us. Uh, not to be the one who is served. Uh, but he, came, he did that at great cost. He died on the cross for our sins so that we could have eternal life. So why would we turn around then and say, oh, I'm better than him, I'm better than her. Why do we do that when we see what Jesus gave up so that we uh, could be in the kingdom of God? So just want to conclude with a couple of reminders. First of all, what is God like? Well, God is not fair. He he gives us more than we deserve. Uh, He doesn't give us what we deserve, which is punishment for our sins. He gives us, uh, through Jesus, uh, righteousness. He gives us eternal life. What is God like? God is very patient. He gives us so many chances. First of all, to come into the kingdom... Uh, to become Christians, he gives us many chances. He doesn't write us off at the first, uh, first time we hear the gospel. He's patient with us. But also as we live out our Christian lives, uh, he's very patient with us as we continue to sin, as we continue to think wrongly about other people. And we see that God is very generous, uh, that he blesses us so much, doesn't he? We, we don't deserve it, and yet God gives us so much. If that's who God is, who am I? Uh, Who am I uh, today? Am I like that child or am I like the rich man? Am I coming with humility, recognising that i come to a great God? Or am I coming like that proud rich man who thought he'd uh, had it all and was doing everything right? Again, like that rich man, am am I coming, or like the disciples, who said, what's in in it for me? Am I coming looking to see what's in it for me, seeking riches, or thankful for the grace of God that I've received through Jesus? Am I coming looking to be the greatest or the least? Am I looking to exalt myself and, and have everyone think highly of me? Or am I looking to be a humble servant And am I like the disciples uh, afterwards, uh, after that event? Am I slow to learn, like James and John were? Or am I (laughs) listening to God? Am I going to listen to what God says and change my life uh, to live according to uh, His ways and not to exalt myself? Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you that All that we have is from you. We can't claim uh, to have achieved our salvation through the good things that we've done. We know that anything good that we might think we've done is filthy rags, is, is, is dirt, is nothing. So we thank you for your great generosity and patience to us that you have not treated us as we deserve but according to your great love. Help us to as we seek to live out our Christian lives, uh, to remember these things and to not exalt ourselves, but to have lives of humility where we think more highly of the other person, uh, where we, we are thankful for the many gifts you've given to others that we don't have, maybe, that we're thankful for what you've done in other people's lives, where we recognize the great gifts that you've given to uh, one another and where we ourselves are generous with the gifts that you've given us and share those with one another. Lord, help us to do that uh, as we go into the coming week and over the coming weeks, uh, that we might become more like you and follow in your example, in the example of Jesus, who left everything, became a servant, rather than looking to be served. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.